Hi, and thank you for joining me for Ignite Your Influence podcast. Today, I'm joined by Scott Drake, who is a leadership development guru. He has jumpcoach.com, and he is interested in creating high-impact, happy teams. He comes from a tech background and, and realized that, you know, to be promoted, oftentimes you get promoted by skill in your frontline role and not in your skill with people. And uh, he was like, I had a terrible time. It was a terrible leader. So he tells us his story on how he ended up um, developing himself and now how he has a goal of reaching a million leaders with his leadership development program uh, in the next three years. And uh, I was doing the math and that's a lot of people every day. So Scott's got a lot of work to do, but he's got an interesting way that he's doing this through social enterprise and a pay as you go or pay as you can kind of model. So listen in, Scott Drake's got some uh, fantastic tips on being that leader who creates a happy high impact team, which frankly, is what we all want. So jump in and enjoy episode 155 of Ignite Your Influence podcast. All right, welcome to Ignite Your Influence podcast. Scott Drake, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic, Ann. How are you doing today? You're trying not to melt in Louisville, Kentucky, I'm huh? Trying not melt. It's 95 <laughs> degrees. We're recording this in August, and it makes me happy that it's. You know, it doesn't make me happy. That it's 95 degrees. It's, it's a little bit. <laughs> By the time this launches, you'll be like, ah. All right, I don't need to threaten to move somewhere cooler. <laughs> I'll be happy again, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you have a, an interesting perspective on leadership that I'm excited to talk about because as my audience is thinking about how do I get better results from people, one of the things we've got to talk about is how do we motivate our teams? How do we lead in a way that people want to follow as I talk about? Um, and, and I have a question about your main website, which is Jump Coach. Yep. What is, where does this come from? Yeah. So this comes from, so my background, I'm a, I'm a software engineer. So when things are broken, I try to fix them. And about 10 years into my own leadership journey, I realized that I was broken and that I needed to fix how I was leading. Right. So, and then I started looking around and I realized, oh, wait, a lot of other leaders are also broken and they also need help. And it's not that they're, you know, there's, there's what I discovered is there's a lot of really good people who become bad leaders because they don't get the training or they don't get the right kind of training, right? They get skills training versus mindset training. So really what I'm trying to do with Jump Coach is to reinvent how we teach leadership, reinvent a little bit how we even think about leadership so that, you know, we start with the areas that cause problems. That's kind of the engineering approach to it, right? Where, where does it break? Fix where it breaks. And then a lot of the other stuff downstream that we tend to focus on will just tend to take care of itself. So, so yeah, we start a lot with mindset. Uh, we try to help people understand the entirety of leadership, and then we we kind of put people in charge of their own ongoing growth. So, mm. so, so yeah, it's a it's a it was a passion project turned uh, full time job. So, so this well, is what we focus on now. Yeah, and it's relatively new, right? Yeah. So up until um, up until this spring, I would have described myself as a technology executive. I was working at a medical education company trying to figure out how do we better educate medical doctors. And uh, that was fun and interesting, but my background is in medicine. And I kind of saw this leadership problem as, as, as a bigger, as, as you think growing doctors is a good way to impact the world. But I think if we can really improve leadership, we can put a big dent in a lot of problems that we have in the world. So, so yeah, I left, uh, left that role in, uh, in med ed and I shifted over into, into now I consider myself more of an HR side of things and how do you build teams and how do you build happy teams and how do you build uh, the leaders to lead them. And, and that's really where I want to spend the next 10 or 15 years is just focused in this side of things and, and outside of the tech side of things. 
Love it. Love it. And tech is notoriously a challenging workplace from what I've heard. I mean, I know you did some work in Silicon Valley and all that stuff. I mean, that just the pace and the, you know, the sort of thanklessness of it all. So. Yeah, it's tough and it's, and it's tough for leaders. I mean, it gets into some of the challenges of leadership that, you know, you come up through the ranks in tech and you're rewarded for being great at tech mm. and your ego is attached to, Hey, I'm great. I'm a great programmer. I'm great at, you know, this stuff, but then you become a leader. And if your ego is still attached to you being the great one, then you're just going to get nowhere and you're going to just kill your team. And that's what I did. That's what I did for 10 years. Mm. And, and it's really, so you see that, I think it's, I don't know if it's that much worse in tech, but, but tech really, tech people tend to really attach their ego to their expertise. And it's that shift from expert to leader mindset that is really the most important thing. Uh, and, and, and that's so, uh, yeah, it's it, a tech, tech's a pretty challenging, challenging uh, uh, industry to have been part of, but it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Well, and, and it's led you to where you are today. So that's yeah. probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a notorious problem with leadership is we take our high performers in our front end you know, our, our, our expert roles and we move them into these people roles and it's a completely different experience. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, when I, when I kind of started leveling up the ranks a little bit, like my first leadership job, I had been out at Microsoft for a little while and I left and I came back to Kentucky, which is where I am. And my boss from my, about a year later, my boss called me and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm, going down to, to, to California to start this company. Why don't you come out and lead my engineering team? So I get out there and he had already kind of hired eight or 10 engineers and he handed them to me and he said, here, lead them. And, you know, I had studied a lot of like entrepreneurship and, and, you know, this and that, but nothing that really helped me work through others to get things done. Right. To me, that's the simple definition of leadership is that your job as a leader is to work through others to get things done. And, I didn't know that for like the first 10 years I was trying to quote unquote lead. So, so yeah, it, it is a, um, you know, it, it, when it, it, the position was presented to me and offered to me, yeah, I approached it as what has made me successful to this point. And what's made me successful to this point is I have all the answers. I can solve any problem. I can get things done. My standards are great. You know, all these things that I, that I eventually learned uh, my team hated me for and that they, you know, they, they wanted, I wanted to be the hero of the story. Cause that's what I've been up to that point. And I, mm-hmm. and it took me a while to discover my team wants to be the hero of the story. And if I want to get their best work from them, I have to let them be the hero of the story. I have to put them in a situation where they can do that and I have to get out of their way. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, uh, it is tough. It was, it was a tough, uh, a tough transition. Yeah. But I mean, but like you said, it's a completely different skill set. Yeah. And on your LinkedIn, you talk about needing right-sized challenges, growth opportunities, and caring leadership. Those are kind of the three things you outlined as creating this environment where people want to give you their best. So how did you come up with those three specifically? So I wrote a book about four years ago on, on hiring for tech. And because tech is also notoriously bad about how do we hire people, we hire a lot for skills, mm. but we don't, but then you, you'll take like two A players, two seemingly A players and put them together on the same team and they fight all the time. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And it's so, so it's really, how do you build balance or blended teams that, that are going to play better together? And it comes down to that. You have to recognize that the, 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 the things you're hiring for, and this goes outside of tech as well, but the, the things you're hiring for have can be intrinsically motivating to some people, right? Intrinsically motivating. It, I, I just enjoy doing it. I get some satisfaction from just solving this problem or from helping this type of customer. Like, you know, again, when I was hiring for the medical education company, I was looking for people who wanted to help doctors. You want to build software that's going to help 
education that's going to help doctors. So you start looking at what are some of those intrinsic motivators instead of the extrinsic motivators of just pay and perks and those kinds of things, which are really kind of fleeting and don't really help people do those things. So, so yeah, it, it, when I started researching that book and really digging into hiring and how do we put teams together? Well, then it really came down to hiring needs to be as much about the intrinsic motivating pieces, being authentic about what you can provide as an employer, what are your strengths and weaknesses as an employer, being open and honest about those. And, but by doing so, you're going to attract the people that are meant to help you solve your problems, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to just hire, you don't want to put out a job description and get a hundred resumes that are just whatever you want to get five or 10 people who care about your problem and care about your customers and really want to help you. Right. And if you start tapping some of those intrinsic motivators, instead of focusing purely on, on the, the maintenance factors or the, you know, the pay and those kinds of things, then, then you tend to do that. So um, so that's kind of a long-winded answer and I've, and I've kind of gone off course, I think of your original question, but, um, yeah, it, 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 I discovered a lot of those, um, when I was working on that book and that's really kind of what led me down the path of some of the leadership stuff that I got into. Well, and it's so counterintuitive kind of, and I'm putting that in air quotes because we want to hire the person who's going to be best at the job. Yep. However, if it's a constant conflict or we're not paying them enough and they're expecting the raise all the time and they're not really caring about our company and our, and our culture and the clients and all the C's, then, you know, it's, it's not as good to hire that person that's the best at the skills. Yeah. Skills, people will learn skills. Like mm -hmm. people can adapt. People, people are, people figure stuff out all the time, right? Especially you, if they care. Especially if they care, right? So yeah, mm -hmm. if you can hire somebody who actually cares and they're going to be, you know, interested in your problem and they're going to be interested in working together and they're going to be interested in, 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 in what you're doing, then yeah, you're going to get better results than you will purely for skills and you're going to have happier people right? Who do you want to work with? Do you want to work with somebody who's miserable? Or do you want to work with somebody who's happy, right? So if you can start paying attention to those intrinsic motivators when you hire, then it just makes so much other stuff easier. Like it's, right. it just, it's everything else just becomes easier. And you add in that caring leadership then to the person who already cares about the, the job and all the pieces. Yeah. And so you've got a pretty great place to work. Yeah. So if you're hiring for intrinsic motivation and you're managing to say, what is this person going to find challenging, you know, purpose, growth, autonomy. I keep going back to Daniel Pink's work. I don't know if you're familiar with, with some mm -hmm. of Daniel Pink's work, that modern motivation is purpose, growth, and autonomy. People want to work for something bigger than themselves. People want to grow and be better next month than they are today and next year than they are today. And then autonomy, they want some control over how they work. So if you can hire for those things, and then you manage against those things, you say, what is a growth opportunity for this person? How do we put a right purpose challenge in front of this person? But then six months from now, or a year from now, rehire that person again, right? Sit down with them at the annual review. You don't know what to do with the annual review. And you go a year ago, you said these kinds of things were interesting. You thought this would be a growth opportunity. Then are there new things that you can put in front of that person to keep them engaged, to keep them intrinsically motivated? And if you do that, especially in tech, like tech, the turnover is notoriously bad. It's every couple mm. of years. And if you, but if you, and what they do is they take a job at another company that just lets them work with a slightly different technology or something a little bit different, where if you quote unquote, rehire your team on a fairly regular basis, and you can keep them in challenges that are intrinsically motivating, it's kind of that caring environment, but, but you're helping yourself too, right? You're, you're giving them what they want, but then you're also helping yourself as a leader and as a manager or as a business owner. Right. And you know where they are. Now, when you say rehiring your, your team, do you mean legitimately like you're on a year contract and we're going to decide whether we rehire you a year? Or it's just the process of using that annual review as an opportunity to say, 
where are you now? Where do you want to be? What and and sort of go through that sort of rehire mentality again. I think it's more the second part. So the very okay. first inter- the very first interview I do with somebody, by the end of the interview, I want to get them to the point where I will I will repeat back to them and I will say, what I'm taking away from this interview is that you're looking for A, B, and C, right? The next year, for the next year to be successful for you, for you to feel engaged and for you to feel happy in what you're doing and everything, you're looking for these three or four things. And I, and I, and I, my whole goal of that first interview is to get them to think about those things and to, and to say, yes, that's what I'm looking for, right? This is what's going to make me happy. So when I do a, a, a review in a year or sometimes in six months in tech, I'll actually pull that out and I'll say, here's what you told me a year ago. Are these still true? Or have you grown? Have you mm-hmm. changed? Has something in life changed for you? And now you need something different. What's going to make the next year happy? What's going to make the next year something that you're going to be really happy about and pleased with and do your best work? And if I can tweak some things, I would rather know that on the front end and try to change some things, especially if they're a really good employee who fits well and is great for the culture. I would rather make those adjustments than not ask those questions and see them go someplace else because we didn't bother to ask those questions. So yeah, so it's more the second, uh, but I think yeah. it's really important, a really important technique from a from the standpoint of continuing to care about your team, continuing to to really be the leader that they need and be engaged. Yeah, well, and and it's it's the whole you know the the old way is for performance evaluations, annual evaluations to be focused on the past. How'd you do? What did you do? What didn't you do well? And that's where, you know, but it rarely has that forward facing thing other than the goals that you write that you stick in a drawer and pull out a year later and hope you did them. Um, And And so this, go ahead. No, I'm saying those are largely about development. Like you must, you must do X, you must do Y, right? They're not about, and that's like job descriptions are often written. Like you must, you must, you thou shalt, thou shalt, as opposed to a marking document that sells. Right. Job descriptions, at least public, are a marketing document that sells. They're not a, a thou shalt, you know, demand list. So, so yeah, job descriptions, the, the, the yearly reviews, again, shift your thinking a little bit. And it's not about putting demands on them. It's about how can you serve them better. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things I always talk about, and tell me if you agree with this, is that the annual review should just be a check-in and an official documentation of conversations you've been having all year anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I hope yeah. so. Yeah, I hope so. That's that's the that's the ideal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's also, you know, you get into some teams a little bit different, right? Uh, I come out of a tech world. We're doing a lot of creative work. So our, our management and leadership techniques are a little bit more organic. We don't have a lot of systems put in place, a little hard, you know, rigid systems. But then you go to some other environments where it's a little bit more mechanistic, where the work is more routine. Then you may have slightly different approach and slightly different things that you're doing. So I don't want to, you know, make people feel like this is a one size fits all for everything. I think, you know, you get into some of those, those uh, those roles that are a little bit more, you know, routine, a little bit less creative, and then, then you, you, they'll, they'll be led a little bit differently. But yeah, it's it, this is hopefully something, especially in your in your creative teams, that you're having these conversations in one on ones on a regular basis, and you know, but but the the, the reviews are a good chance to just look forward, just mm-hmm. start looking yeah. forward, and, and get them excited about what's coming up, and some of those things too. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, right now, I think the not maybe right now, but the performance evaluation process in the past, every time I've gone through it has been like, oh, boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. And this is terrible thing. So I like justify the way you're thinking. Your, yeah, justify your existence. Yeah, exactly. Justify, do justify I get to the... stay another year? And do I yeah. want to? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, one of the things you also talk about is this right sized challenges. Yep. And when we talk about delegation, you know, there, there's a lot of different reasons we would delegate. We would delegate just because we need to get something done and we want the 
best person, the fastest person to get stuff done. But oftentimes it's also so that people can learn things and get an opportunity to grow and to try something new and to get that new technology or whatever. Um, talk about right size challenges. How do we know? Um, and what's the importance of that? And what about stretch challenges? Yeah. So think about, um, you know, purpose, growth, autonomy, growth. People want to grow. People want to be better in six months than they are today. Right. And it's real bad in engineering and you see it in other places, but like you take a fairly simple routine problem and you give it to an engineer with 10 years of experience and they're going to turn it into a complicated problem because they're looking for challenges, right? They're looking for challenges and to learn something new. And they're going to love every minute of it. <laughs> and they are, but you're going to hate every minute of it mm-hmm. because they're going to turn this, this six week project into a six month project just to give them something that's a challenge and that they can grow with, right? So you really have to get good at looking at the work, the type of work that your organization does and recognizing what's routine, what's what's kind of mainstream, what's simple, what's the kind of stuff being done in companies everywhere, right? That's a little bit more mainstream stuff versus what's truly innovative or unique about how you operate or how you work. And, you know, the more routine, the more mainstream stuff, you know, try to keep that, you know, I try to keep that at more lower, lower and mid-level people because I want, it's an opportunity for them to grow but if I keep that with senior people, they're just going to get bored. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's really about kind of a, evaluating your environment through kind of that lens and saying, and recognizing, look, I, a big piece of this person's happiness is going to be their growth and it's, and it, what's challenging to them. So how do I recognize what of what I've got and who's going to be better aligned with that? And I think even in jobs where it's not particularly creative, this is an important thing because like you said, people want to grow. They want to try new things. They want to try to figure things out. So I love that. Um, Now, switching gears just a little bit, as I was reading through your Jump Coach website, I noticed that it's a social enterprise, that this is a pay-as-you-go, pay-as-you-can kind of thing. Talk to me a little bit about the concept and, and what you're hoping to achieve there. Yeah. So, I mean, my goal with this is kind of big and that's, I would like to grow a million leaders in the next three years. Um, I would like to get a million people through this training in the next three years and a large, I won't say a large part, but I mean, a portion of that is, um, you know, students, nonprofits, things like that. And there were people that I wanted to make this free for, but I didn't operationally want to have to build a system where I can say, yes, you get it free. And yes, you, you have to, you know, this kind of stuff. So I just, I, I kind of stepped back and looked at it and I said, I think the best way for me operationally, and I think the best way for the market is just to make it pay what you can. So it's basically, it's three lessons. Then each lesson has three developmental assignments and each lesson is only about an hour. You can watch, you can binge watch the whole thing in about four hours, but it's really meant to be done over a 10 week to a 10 month period. You, you should really take each one as like a week. Um, and yeah, the, the goal is, is to, to get the training in front of people to remove as many of those barriers for leadership training as I can, right? A lot of people, only certain people in the organization are allowed to take it, right? Or it's a $400 course online, or it's mm-hmm. a 12-hour commitment, right? So what are all the barriers that keep people from, from getting the leadership training that they need? How do I strip all of those away and then sp- still build a business that, that will hopefully be sustainable? And, and, and I do think, and, and so I do think that, that you know, the pay what you can model uh, should help with that. But yeah, th- my goal is to get a bunch of people through it. And, and, and I think that, you know, that that's uh, a key, a key factor to the approach. Well, and that's a, that's a cool, I, I love the, the concept and I love the goal. And I also love the courage that it's taken to say, all right, well, we'll just put it out there and see what people pay for it. But I've read some books and I'm trying to remember who the artist is that has that with her music. 
Mm -hmm. um, and she finds it incredibly successful. And oftentimes people pay more than she would have put on it as a price tag. Yeah, I've, I did some research at it and, and it was, um, you know, and and because, again, it was solving an operational problem. My initial thought was I'm going to make it free for some people and then ask other people to pay. And then I thought, well, let's make one of the three lessons for free or something like that. And it just got mm -hmm. too crazy. But yeah, I sat down, I did some research on it. And you, you were engineering it. You were like, let me see yeah. how complicated I can make this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's... Um, yeah. So, so no, it's, it's, I did a lot of research and yeah, there are a number of artists to do it. There is some training, some other types of people in a, in a training space that have tried to do it. Uh, you know, if my goal was to, to, to work really closely with a thousand people a year, then I wouldn't have gone that approach. But again, my goal, I would really love to get this to a point that this is a, a standard thing that most leaders go through, right? Mm -hmm. If, if you're, if you're going to start as a leader, or even if you're a CEO and you're, and you want to be better, right? These lessons will help you, you know, really understand what leadership is. It gives you a scorecard so you can kind of measure your success and know some areas that you can adjust and, and do better. And then it gives a, a self-directed learning toolbox so you can get better over time. So it really is kind of that foundational piece of leadership that I wish I had had when I was starting that would help me think about it right and do some of these things right. So I really hope that it is something that becomes really a foundational piece of most people's leadership training. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, removing the barriers makes it mm -hmm. easy. If a company has a hundred bucks and they want to put 10 people through, great. You know, let's, let's make it happen. Let's make it happen because yeah. I, I really do. And I also believe that, you know, companies who do begin to adopt it, whether they're paying for it or not, are going to need more help. Right. So mm -hmm. that's the other side. Like I, I, there will be a business there to build on it, but you know, if there's not, that's okay. I don't, I don't need that much, you know, <laughs> there's, you know, there's I'm plenty a, of pie. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a simple guy. I don't, you know, so, so yeah, I just really hope that it can help. It, it helped leaders, right? Again, that was a painful period for me as I learned. Well, and, and well, like you said, it was painful for your team too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, how do we, we just gotta, there's just gotta be better ways to do this. So that's, yeah. that's really kind of where I turned my attention. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. And, and I mean, I believe it all comes around because, you know, you got better leaders, you've got happier workplaces, you've got happier people walking around the grocery store, holding yep. the door for me, you know, ultimately it comes around yeah. to, uh, to making the world a better place, which is awesome. Yeah, no, I agree. Agree, hundred percent. Very cool. So, what are you doing when you're not helping with leadership training? Uh, sitting around the house right now because of COVID. But no, we, uh, <laughs> uh, no, we. I, I like to get out a lot. I like to walk a lot. Um, I like to. Uh, we enjoy uh, auto racing and, and auto sport and some of those kinds of things. So it's we're we're excited. A lot of that stuff is is up and running, and fans are going back to some of that kind of stuff. And uh, and uh, yeah, so we um, uh, we do that. We watch a lot of movies, watch some TV, and and cook. You know, we enjoy cooking and some of those things. Yeah, just uh, just pretty normal stuff. Nice, because when you cook, you get to eat. We do, we do. I've been, I've started, I've started to. Uh, so yeah, I left my job in April, and one of my side things has been, uh, we're mostly vegetarian, and so I've been, I've been really working on how do I make better sauces and how do I make sauces. So so that's been, you know, you can really go deep into some of the uh, the the things with food and and whatnot if you have a little bit of time. So I have a little. Oh bit of yeah. Time. And so, getting so that depth of flavor. My yeah. brother went into Indian food and he started getting really into understanding this, you know, the spices and how it all works together. And oh man, I'll go to his house for dinner anytime. Yeah, that's where I, I made a masala last week. Um, I'm going to try to make a korma, I think this week. Oh, so, so delicious. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, so yeah, so we're playing with some of that kind of stuff too. Nice. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, if people are interested in jump coach and uh, getting this training, how, how do they find it? How do they find yeah, you? Just yeah, just go to jumpcoach.com. Um, you know, it, it's a, got a pretty good little explainer video. Uh, like I said, these are pretty short lessons. They're, they're meant to really be kind of washed at lunch. And then they give you some, some 10, 15 minute development assignments that you can kind of work on for, for 
uh, a little bit of time. And then, um, you know, if you need the training, take the training, right. It's, it's, it's really there to be, to, to help people really understand how to work through others in a, in a healthy and a motivating way. Uh, and it's going to, it helps them as a leader and it's going to help their team. So yeah, just, uh, uh, go to jumpcoach.com and, and you should have everything there to get started. Great. And I will put that in the show notes. I'll also put Scott's LinkedIn and everything in there as well. So you can find Scott if you need him. And, and of course, looking at what's the book called, Scott? The book I wrote a few years ago is it's called The Programmer Hiring Playbook. It's a crash course in interviewing and hiring for your real world needs. Okay. And uh, yeah, so you can find that on Amazon. I have a scottdrake.co is a consulting site I have up as well. So if you want to dig into some of the work, I still do a little bit of consulting work in tech, mostly with HR, uh, mostly to kind of help HR teams build up happy tech teams, essentially. So if you go to scottdrake.co, you can get into uh, the book and you can get into some of the consulting work I do in HR as well. All right. Super. Well, Scott, I'll put that all in the show notes. Thank you so much for your time. I love what you're doing. And I hope that you hit, hit a million by uh, 2024, right? Is that the end of 24? That's the plan. Love it. Love it. Well, I'll be, uh, we'll be promoting it from here. Thanks so much right. for everything you're doing. All right. Thanks, Ann. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on. And there you have it, everybody. Episode 155. Thank you, Scott Drake, for all your insights. And I love this focus of the leader on developing your team. Like your job is to get stuff done through other people. And if you're the one always being the hero, you're not gonna get stuff done through other people. We gotta make them the heroes. And I love his concept of rehiring every year. You know, the, the performance evaluation is to say, hey, how did you do? But also to say, where do you wanna go? What do you wanna learn? What is gonna make this year a success for you? And if we have that focus, we're gonna be a whole lot more successful in making our teams the heroes and having that high impact team. So thank you so much for joining us on Ignite Your Influence Podcast. If you like the show, go ahead and give it a little love on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss anything. I've got more great interviews coming up with incredible people doing incredible things with other people. And if you want some tips on helping your team through the discomforts of change and leading your teams through change, my book, Get Them Over It, has 57 tips for you. They're short, they're fun, and they're useful and they're consumable. They're short, you know, like I don't have time to sit down and read a full book all the time, but when I'm sitting on the toilet every once in a while, I have a chance to read one tip. I can mull that over and hopefully take it on. So grab my book, get them over it. It's on Amazon. I'll throw uh, the, uh, the link in the show notes as well. So thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next week on Ignite Your Influence podcast.